the vibes welcome back to another episode of the hoop genius podcast brought to you by nba 2k23 myself momutsi alongside me as always the one the only mr bj armstrong real name no gimmicks no gimmicks what you got for me mo what you um, got uh, for me? i see you repping the 313 bj i see you yeah I you see. know those are, my, those are my people out there you know those are my people <laughs> well we missed the episode on, on friday's episode that's my bad had a few technical issues but we back rolling now and um i thought it's only right we give the people what they want so you know what we're about to do okay we got the questions in the Discord server once again. If okay. you want to get involved, Love the it. link is in the description. So go and get involved. I got to say one thing. There's a bunch of questions here. Two, three, four, five. We got five questions, right? We got five questions. Okay, let's here. get it. But these five questions, the level of depth to these questions speaks volumes to the quality of basketball fans that are in our community. Because this is the hoop genius community. Salute, and we got some salute. young geniuses asking these questions. So we got five questions, BJ. We got about a half hour here. So we're gonna have to go through these pretty okay. Let's, pretty let's swift, get through it. Let's get through it. The first one's from your boy Harry Bridge, who says, One thing I've noticed is that a lot of young lead guards, this is how you know they're listening to BJ Armstrong, because they don't call them point guards no more. No, oh, yeah, now, now you're talking. Guards. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. The young lead guards in the league tend to play in transition or create shots for themselves in isolation. Do you think there's still space for the pass first lead guard in the NBA? Or is it a dying breed as the game becomes positionless? And to add to this, do you think positionless basketball is here to stay? Or do you think that defined roles could make a comeback? So that's like two questions in one. Let's start with the first part. Is there still space for pass-first point guards in the NBA, or is it a dying breed? Because when you think of pass-first, you really think, like, who who in the league right now, BJ, would you call a pass-first point guard? Well, you know, Mo, I will say this. You know, the NBA game right now, evolution is a part of the business, right? The game evolves. The game now, we're in an era... Ahead, I, re- I, re- I really want to make a Ben Simmons joke when we say pass first because he ain't want to shoot. But who's this? Who? Oh, <laughs> Ben Simmons. Oh, uh, yes. But yes. I, I, I got to chill on the Ben Simmons joke. So I heard he's got another injury. I hope he gets better soon. But yes. But pass um, first, the last guy that springs to mind is Rondo, and he ain't even in the league no more. Well, I, I, I think what has happened, Mo, is we, we've, we've dissected the game so much now and we've put it into these boxes, right? This guy is a pass first guard this guy is a rebounder this guy is a shooter okay the game has evolved okay and how has the game evolved it's evolved mo in a in a in, in a place now where the pace of the game is far superior okay far superior than the previous generation now to some you may you may look back and you can look at stats and you can argue you know, maybe Showtime played at the same pace as this area. You know, I don't I don't have all those numbers yeah, yeah. available to me. But however, on the whole, Mo, the game is much faster than it has been traditionally, especially when you start looking at the previous generation, the way the game was played in the 80s mm. and the 90s, in particular the 90s, okay? So now the game is played much faster. So you have pace. And then when you with this pace now, suddenly there became 
you know, the space on the floor, which is the three-point shot. In my humble opinion, the three-point shot created, you know, one pass, two pass shot. Guy will just dribble it up, shoot it. Okay. So now these, the pace of the game is much faster, but also now you're having quicker shots or more shots, you know, earlier in the shot clock than probably you've ever had. Okay. That's the, to me, that's the key. You're getting more shots earlier in the shot clock than I would, I would go out on a limb and say probably any generation in the NBA. I mean, guys, I mean, Steph Curry just comes up and shoot it. Dame Lillard just comes up and steps over cast courts and shoot it. You see this over, you'll see guys run a fast break and stop at the three-point line. Okay. You just didn't see that in previous generations. Now, what does all that mean, Mo? Okay. When you start saying pass for first guards, you know, Mo, as I watch the game, I've kind of now come to this conclusion. This is just my own way of looking at the game. You know, professional players, and what now more we're in this age of development, right? We, you know, we talk, everybody's, we draft these young guys, we draft these players, we're in the age of development. But truly speaking, in its purest form, professional sports, professional players are played to win. They're not played, they're not paid to play, they're paid to win. Yeah. And when you're played to win, Mo, that's a lot different. So now you start looking at, well, this guy is, you know, he can play four positions. This guy can play two positions. This guy, you when you when you're played to play, you start you start putting people in, you know, you start having all of these potential ideas. But when you're played, when you're paid to win the game, suddenly, Mo, it forces you to say, Who's helping me to win the game? Because that's what you're paid to do. Okay. We've gotten away every year, Bo. We can say, we can say it this year. There's only about four or five teams that we really think can win it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we're going to be honest, let's just be honest, Bo. There's about four or five teams that we're really saying. Like right now, I I'm I'm like, yeah, Milwaukee, Philly, and and maybe okay. if someone escapes the West. Yes. And then Mo, what we're saying is we have tanking. Or, you know, okay, that, that's a real thing. Yeah. Okay. And then we have teams, Mo, who's going to be the best team? You and I answered the question. Who's going to be the best, best team in five years? So development is a real thing. So we're mm. like, you get excited now for teams who we think is going to be the best team in five years. Yep. So development, when you look at an NBA roster, and sorry for the long-winded answer, but when you look at a roster, you look, you'll see 14, 15 coaches on the sideline. Because these guys are developing the players. But truly speaking, Mo, truly speaking, you're paid to win. And if you're paid to win, Mo, I've come to the conclusion I've put everything into four categories, okay? And I don't care if you're a pass first, pass second, pass third, but there are things now that I put players into. The first thing, okay, Mo, the first thing is the playmaker group. Who are the playmakers? Okay, those guys look like Magic Johnson. Those guys look like Oscar Robertson. Those are the guys who playmake. They just playmake. I don't know if Oscar was a pass first guard. The guy averaged 30 points, 10 assists, 
But what I did know, he was a superior playmaker. Magic Johnson was a superior playmaker. Okay, you can argue there have been others, right? You can put, you know, whether it's John Stockton or whomever. But when you see playmakers, Mo, you know that they're they're a little different. And that, that to me, when you said Rondo, Rondo is a playmaker. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if he's a pass first, pass second, but... I put them in the category, and the reason I'm putting them in, and reason I'm putting them in these categories, Mo, is because the way the game is played now, you got to know the intention of the player that you're playing with, because everything now, Mo, is happening so quick. It's not like when the generation I played, where I never worried about guys. Maybe there was one guy who would come down and shoot <laughs> and would not pass it, but yeah. the rest of us, Mo, there were rules. You never did that. So I never had to worry about Horace Grant, for instance, just drilling up to the three-point line and shooting. It never occurred to me. Yeah. I was the best three-point shooter, one of the best three-point shooters on the team, and I never did it. In the league. Okay. okay. So, so there are the playmakers. Then the next group, Mo, is what I call the scores. I mean, guys who just score, right? At its peak, you'll have guys like Jordan. You'll have guys like Kobe Bryant. You'll have guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain. Those are the elite score. Mo, they can just score. Yeah, That's what they do. They score at a Mo, they can overwhelm you just with one, one yeah. thing. Who can just score? Okay. Then the next, which to me is the they're the most impactful. This is the most impactful group ever in the NBA because Defenders. they affect the game. The defensive guys. They're like the giants of the game. They're the Titans. They are the elite. Yeah. That's the elite part of the game, right? Yeah. The Bill Russells, okay? The Akeem Olajuwans, the Tim Duncans, Kevin Garnett's. Those guys, Mo, Ben Wallace, those guys, they trump everything else. All right? Will Chamberlain's average 50, but Bill Russell won all the championships. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those guys trump everything. Okay. There's only one other category that offsets these defensive guys, and those are the playmakers. The playmakers. So you got playmakers, offset. scorers, defenders, and it's just those three. You said you have four. No, no, I got four. I got I got I got one more category. So okay, th- okay. you have the defensive guys. And then the n- next category are the what I call what I've just termed mo because I don't know what it is. So I just call them the hybrids, right? Mm-hmm. They're the Larry Birds. Okay. They're the Dirk Nowinskis. They're the Steph Curry's, LeBron okay? James. LeBron James. They're just the hybrids. They they do, you know, LeBron James will have 28, <laughs> 12, everything. and 7. Larry Bird, same. Steph Curry, you know, he's a hybrid of some player. So those four categories to me, Mo, is what I'm looking at every time I watch the game. Now, you and I just got done watching the game. Uh, we Nuggets were watching the Denver. Bucks. Okay. I'm watching, I'm watching Jokic. And I said, wow, Jokic is an elite scorer. We know that. Okay. But you know what, Mo? You know what offsets him against a defensive player of the year? His playmaking ability, Mo. You're absolutely right. So we're I was watching this game because I wanted to see the playmaking ability of him versus a defensive player of the year candidate. And Brooke Lopez. Yeah, yeah. And Drew Holiday and Giannis. Three. And the playmaking 
stay true to what I've been saying now for years. It offsets. So when you play, and I'm not trying to give it away for Jokic, when you play against Jokic, the best probably way to beat him is to force him to be a scorer. Because yeah. once he starts playmaking, Mo, and the bench starts playing well, and the other guy starts playing well, now it's a free-for-all. The, the problem is when you do that is he gets you, the, the guy guarding him. In fact, yeah, Brook Lopez picked up four fouls quite early on in this well, one. Like, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. And, and there's no way. Playing, yeah, there's, there's, there's no, no way, way to stop him. <laughs> so who's a pass-first guard? I don't know, Mo. I, but what I do know, Mo, is that when I look at the game now, you have to you ha if you're going to win the game. I'm not saying play the game. Right? There's a lot of guys who play. Guys are trying to get better and developing and hashtag striving for greatness and all those things. <laughs> but what I know, Mo, if you're going to win and you're going to have an, if you're going to have an effect on the game, if yeah. you're going to affect the game. OK, the two things that affect the game the most are. The defensive guys, they're they're the giants. They're the guys who they neutralize the other team's front court, and they neutralize the playmakers because the playmakers, if they're hesitant, right? They There's no one to make plays themselves. from. There's no one to make yes. plays for. If they can neutralize the game. The defensive players will dominate the game. Yeah. If the playmaker suddenly finds a wrinkle where he can score a little bit, where he can create opportunities he finds a mismatch he breaks the defense down starts now mo that's almost impossible to beat yeah so I, there aren't many games there and, and i want to say this because of the way the game is played now mo with this pace and space you have to have a it's a it's a you've heard me say it there's a blend of somewhere some formula there that you're going to find with a player who will be able to do it i don't think it's possible in today's game to be a pass first guard no. without the ability to score. I don't. And the reason being Mo is because the three point shot now has made it impossible for a smaller traditional player to play without being a scorer. Steph Curry has, if there's one thing he's taught me is you have to keep him honest. And the way you keep him honest is by scoring. You can't play now and be like I, a Mark Jackson. I think or somebody is, like that. I think it is possible to play without having that scoring but it can't be from the point guard position. You can uh, okay. be a Draymond Green. You can be, I, even I, if Nikola Jokic decided he wasn't going to take any shots in the whole game. But you, but you have to have, but, but you have to have an elite hybrid player or an elite scorer to offset that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's almost impossible. It's almost Not every impossible. team is very rare. Like how many Draymond Greens are there in the world? One. How many Nikola Jokic are many, there? One. How many? Steph Curry's. So I think the reason why the the guys we think of like the Rondos, right, is now NBA teams they have such an emphasis, as you said, on the speed of the game, the early offense. They want you to get down there, get off a shot as quick as you can, and then the spacing of the court. Now, if you have one guy who can't shoot the basketball and isn't a scorer like that, then it's easier to hide them when they're a Draymond and you use them as the screener, or you have them dictating the offense. It's harder to do that when they're a smaller player. You know, the, the Clippers are only just now figuring out how to use Russell Westbrook, which they're doing a fantastic job of, you know, a lot of dribble handoffs, using him as a screener and stuff as well. But it's difficult for teams to learn how to play like that. So I think that's the reason why. The other reason why is if you look at the evolution of the game, who are young kids? No young kid is growing up now 
watching anyone in the league being like, damn, I want to pass like this guy. They all want to score. They all want to play like Dame Lillard. They all want to play like Steph Curry. So the em emphasis on that game, when you look at guys now, the young players coming in, maybe Lonzo, you could have put into that pass first category when he came into the league. Maybe even Halliburton now, but he has to score because he's been given that role by his team. So that's that's my take on it. Um, the second part was, do you think positionless basketball is here to stay or do you think the final roles can make a comeback? I think the league is going to get more and more positionless because if you look at the evolution of what big fellas are doing now, it's going to be very difficult to find big guys who just want to post up. So I think teams have well, worked out, really, yeah. and it's not just big guys. You can't just be a role player now. Look at Duncan Robinson for the Miami Heat. He got paid all that money because he could shoot. And teams figured out that all he can do is shoot. You have to be able to, you can't just be a spot-up shooter now. We just watched the Nuggets and the Bucks, right? Bruce Brown, first of all, who wasn't really that good a shooter, learned how to shoot. And now tonight, he's making plays off the dribble as well. You've got to be a well-rounded player to compete in the modern NBA. So I, I think that defined roles, okay, you're a big guy, you go post up. You're a lead guard, you're just going to make plays for your teammates. You're a shooter, you're just going to shoot. I don't think that we're going to see that changing anytime soon. It has to. You have to be able to do everything. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little pushback on this one, Mo. Okay. I think the bigs, the bigs overall, with the mm -hmm. exception of a few, right? With a few. Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, with the exception of a few, you know, your guy Rob Williams when he's healthy. They're just beginning to figure out, okay, how to guard these smaller players. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Draymond is unique because he's not really a big. He's really a guard, but he plays, he's an undersized player. Once these bigs figure out how to defend and play this era, it will neutralize these smaller players. Why? Because you can run them off, you can run them off the line. They have the size and length. Size and length is the one thing that doesn't that doesn't deteriorate with age. However, these seven footers or these big guys, they're not growing up playing one-on-one -on -one like us, us little guards do. Yeah. And then when you switch on them in, in, in an NBA game, it really throws them out of whack. However, you're beginning to see them get better and better. These guys like Al Horford, Kavon Looney, you're beginning now to see better and better defensive players. So much so now. A guy like Wimbenyama will come into the league, Mo, and under no circumstances would I be resistant, okay, if I was on a team with him, to say, let's just switch and no one helps. Because, Mo, he moves and plays like a guard. He's not like Rudy Gobert, where yeah. you isolate him or you could target him. Well, that goes to what he I'm saying is, is I think more and more guys are going to be like that coming into the league in future generations. Yeah, and, and, that's what, and that's and, and, and because more and more guys will come in, I think now suddenly the game will revert back to the bigs because the bigs now will take advantage of the smaller guys on the block. See, I think the game is going to go by go to like this. I'm playing against Chris Paul. I'm just going to target Chris Paul. I'm going to target the smaller guards. I'm going to target. Uh, well, then I think the answer to the question depends on the time span you're looking at. Because yeah, yeah, I think I you're think right in what you're saying, but that will then cause another shift.
where we just see only big guys playing the game. Uh, and, well, and what's my dream? Conditions. And what's my dream? And, and we what's all my know. dream? We all know all seven first. So I want all seven footers. So so Chris Rose actually followed up from that question. And he says, because you're the point guard guru. He says, you mentioned previously about shifts in the game, i.e. changes at the four spot towards stretch force in the last decade. And we just talked about the bigs. But he said, is there a smaller shift happening towards the explosive downhill point guards right now? Feels like with Jamarant, De'Aaron Fox, Shagos Alexander, now younger guys like Ivy and Scoot, there's a shift in what the lead guard position is becoming. Well, I think the answer to that is pretty simple. The NBA is starting to figure out that there's only one Stephen Curry. So instead of picking guys who will try and play like Stephen Curry, they're picking guys who are explosive and athletic at that point guard position that can attack downhill and score in transition. Because it's very difficult to pick point guards every time who rely on three-point shooting because you just can't do it at the same rate of what you're trying to copy in Golden State. That's just my take on it. What do you think? Well, B? first, that's, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal question. Shout out to Chris. And, and here's the thing that is the biggest shift in the NBA currently right now. You only, At one point, you only could say this about collegiate basketball. And in college basketball, whoever had the best guard play, especially in the NCAA tournament, would probably win. Mm. Would probably well, that win tournament. That's chaos right now, by the way. <laughs> okay. When you, when you, okay. When you have good guard play in college, you would probably win. Now, Mo, the hybrid, the hybrid player to be, especially at the guard now, is just, you, you got to have it. Okay. And that means you, your guard better be able to score. Be ever debated play downhill. So it's led me to say the following. You don't win in this league, college or the pros. First time I could ever say that in my lifetime mm -hmm. without great guard play. You have to have great guard play, guards who can play downhill, who could score, who could attack that basket and read the play. Not make the play, read the play. Meaning, Mo, they got to be able to score. They have to be able to attract two or more defenders. And they got to be able to read where the where where the defense is helping from. So that to me is paramount in today's game. You have to have a guard who can do that and do that at a high level because it allows you to play advantage basketball. Four versus three, three versus two, two versus one. And if you can read those plays as a guard today, with the ability to score, you got to be able to score, not only at the basket from the three-point line, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you take too many of those mid-range as a guard, you're not going to shoot a high enough percentage, okay? So with that, you got to have it. So I think that is the, probably the most important thing in today's guards, in today's guard play. And you got to have a guard who can do that at an exceptional, at yeah. a very high level. And, and, and also, because... Of the rest of the team now, everyone has to be able to shoot. You know, you got the wing players, they have to be able to shoot. You now have the bigs, you know, look at Brook Lopez, you have to be able to shoot. The best way to open up your teammates is applying rim pressure, getting to the basket, getting two feet in the paint. So when your lead guard can do that, i.e. a De'Aaron Fox or a Jamarant or a Shagos Alexander, it collapses the defense and it opens up your there team. You so if you want to be a pass-first guy, maybe the best way to become a pass-first guy is to be the best at attacking the basket. Because then you're going to collapse defenses and get a pass out for your teammates. So we've got another question here from a man, HD Ready, who on a similar note says, 
With the increase in ability across the board in basketball from the one through five positions over the last 20 years and teams always hunting for mismatches, do you see, do you foresee a time in the future where being an elite offensive player but poor defensive player, Trey Young, for example, won't be tolerated as much and coaches place emphasis on their defensive effort and capability? HD Ready, I don't know your real name, but this is my dream. My dream <laughs> is for BJ's dream is for seven footers. My dream is for games where there's no bad defenders on the court. If you can't yeah. guard, you stay on the bench. That's my dream. If you're Trey Young, you better learn how to guard or you're staying on the bench. What do you think, BJ? <laughs> well, you know, Mo, look, I, I would love to, you know, say, hey, you, you got five or six defensive elite players. However, you know, that that's, I, I don't think that's possible. Right. You know, everyone has a gift. Everyone has a strength and a weakness to their game. And what I know is this, these offensive players, especially the way the game is played today, the way the rules are set up mode, the offensive player has a significant advantage. Yeah. And when you look yeah, at the, that, best, that, that, the, the top quote unquote top players in the league, the Luka Doncic's, the Trey Young's, for example, the Jamarant's, they're all pretty bad defenders. Right. 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 Well, well, listen, I don't know if they're bad defenders or not, but what I do know, def defense starts with two things. You got to give the effort and the energy yep. necessary to play. And all right, Trey Young is not an elite defender like Drew Holiday. Okay, that's fine. Uh, There's no reason for him not to give the effort and the energy necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not even an average now, defender. That, that, he's and that's, just, and, and that's and Patrick, me. Patrick Beverly uses the term a cone. And that to me, that to me, is now all of a sudden that, that that in my opinion right that's just effort and energy okay yeah. and and when you are playing winning basketball when you're trying to win the game it's impossible to win without giving the effort and the energy necessary that, on that end of the floor secret to it like i don't know bj you tell me if i'm wrong right stephen curry clearly is gifted at shooting the basketball, right? Ja Morant is clearly gifted with his athleticism, right? Jokic mm -hmm. is clearly gifted with his passing ability. Mm -hmm. But defensively, if you hustle and you study your opponent's tendencies, there's no reason why you can't be a good defender. I'm talking at the guard position because we're talking about Trey Young. Obviously, Nikola Jokic is never going to be an elite defender staying with players on the perimeter, right? Right, Obviously, right. smaller players and never Trey Young's never going to be able to switch onto a five man and guard him. But I right. mean, guarding at your position, if you just study the opponents you're coming up against, learn their tendencies, and you give 100% on every possession, there's no reason for anyone to be a bad defender. If I simplify well, uh, it too much. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, like I said, You know, you listen, you can say what's good and what's bad. I'm looking for the effort and energy necessary. Trey Young is playing against Kevin Durant. I don't care if he's a great defender. There's nothing he could do but give me the effort and the energy necessary. That's what I mean. Like, I don't think Steph okay. Curry's a good defender, so, but he plays hard. Like, in the but, playoffs but, last year, he played hard. Well, Steph Curry, Steph Curry provides the effort and the energy necessary. And yeah. here's defense. If... 
Mo shoots every shot that's contested and he shoots it over the top of me. I can live with that. Every coach in the NBA can live with that one. What I can't live with, Mo, are blow-bys. What I can't live with, Mo, is you not trying to get over a screen. What I can't live, Mo, without you putting a hand up. And 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 here's the other thing. If every shot I have to take is contested, contested. that takes its toll on me by the time I get to the damn fourth quarter. I think, man, I can't get an easy, I can't get an open look on this guy. He's got his hand in my face okay. on every damn shot I take. Well, I can live with that. Okay, so your job, whoever this player is, is to be as disruptive as you can. Some are better than others. Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, they're phenomenal. But I can't ask a player with Trey Young's body type to do what Marcus Smart does. Like, that doesn't even make sense to I me. I can ask him so to try I, and get through a screen, though. No, you no, can I, at no. least try. I can I can give him I can give him I can give him Mo okay with his body type first the guy is hundred and sixty pounds maybe yeah it's tiny uh, uh, what is he going to do on a screen set by Joel Embiid he's not trying he could try all he wants to get through a three hundred pound screen he's not getting through that Mo <laughs> okay he can Let's try and navigate it he, I'm not saying he has to go he okay. can try and navigate no, it. No, Mo, this is what he can do. Do not let your guard, do not let the guy you're guarding go away from the screen. Mm -hmm. That's that's all he can do. So there are limitations to what every player can do. Mo, every player has limitations. However, every player has responsibility. We're only weak. We're only as weak as we're only as weak as the weakest link on the on on, on the on the chain. Yeah. So his job is to push it to the screen and get around that screen as best you can. There you go. I don't know how he's going to get around Joel Embiid's screen. I don't know how he's going to get around a Jokic screen. I, there's a lot of guys. I don't know how. He, I, I like, mean, he's 160 maybe, pounds. May, well, the way that guy sets screens down, maybe if you're actually trying to get through it, they get called for an illegal screen. But that maybe, happens maybe. a couple of times. It changes the momentum of the game. But if yeah, you just maybe. simply give up an easy switch, that's not even a possibility. He has to have some responsibility. Now, I'm not picking on Trey Young. I'm just saying he has to play in a system where everyone is held accountable to whatever it is they can and can't do. Because, well, what we know is every player has to have some responsibility on the defensive end. Because you have an individual responsibility along with a team responsibility. So... You know, I mean, that, that's a great question, man. We could go on and on about yeah, with that. Question. We got another one. Andy Williams, a resident Utah Jazz fan, says, with three seven footers starting and a point guard with a wingspan of seven foot one, is it positional size the reason that the Jazz have lingered for so long around the playoff spots? Do these factors help with the recently implemented zone defense? Number one, of course. Seven, three seven footers on a court and a huge wingspan on the perimeter is going to help massively anytime you're running a zone. And I think that definitely has an impact on why the Jazz have actually overperformed compared to what everyone thought. Because at the end of the day, like you said, BJ, you know, being tall and and being big doesn't change throughout your career. But also through a forty-eight minute game, being tall and being big doesn't change as the time progresses. You know, smaller players can get tired. Tall players are never going to get shorter by the end of the game. What do you think about the Jazz and their size? Well, 
You know, Mo, I, I think the next wave, if you will, and I, I, again, I have no idea, but I think the next wave will be the development and the growth of zone defense in the NBA. Yeah. Because this is a league that's always been a man-to-man league. The game has emphasized man-to-man, you versus me. And Mo, now you're beginning to see more and more zone. Okay. Oh, the first, I, I can't the wait first, for you guys to hear this AI interview because we talked about this as well. The, now, the first time the, the the implementation of a zone defense caught my eye was in the NBA Finals when I saw the Toronto Raptors. They went a zone and one on Steph Curry, and I thought, so for you guys probably, who don't probably, know, that's, that's where four players make up a zone. It's called a box of one. So four players make up what would be a box formation and one player is chasing Steph Curry on every possession. So when I saw that, I thought to myself, and I wrote a little note to myself, that may be the future of the NBA, okay? Then you're going to see a triangle in two. That means there's three guys playing a zone and two guys chasing perimeter players. I think at some point, Mo, you will see... Five guys playing one, two, twos. I think you'll see more got more guys implementing more pressure in the backcourt to take advantage of two things. The eight second count. Mm-hmm. The eight second count to me is set up for the defense to really take advantage of just getting the ball across half court yep. in eight seconds. Takes time off okay. the clock. Teams can't get into their sets early. It stops early uh, transition scoring. And I I think more teams will start to trap and, and say, you know what? We have to show some kind of resistance on the defensive end because these players are shooting at such distance, Mo, that it really, you can't guard them. Like, mm-hmm. I... I you, Damien, Damien Lillard, these guys are shooting at such a high clip. Dame says he now, feels like he can score anytime he gets to the halfway line. Okay. So I think you will see that. And I think that will be the next evolution. And what is the, and what's going to allow you to do that, Mo, is length. Okay. So we're already having premium on this particular player. Everyone's looking for defensive wings. Why? Because that allows us to switch. But what if Mo, you could just zone it up now and force guys to say, I, I'm not going to throw it to the corner because I don't want to get trapped in the corner with the ball in my hand mm-hmm. with two seven-footers trapping me. Mm-hmm. Mo, now I'm going to trap Chris Paul and these guys in the backcourt just to get it out of his hand, and now every other team is going to be forced to start their offense without their traditional lead guy to – start the offense. Yeah, yeah. So I think these defenses, I think these coaches are going to at some point figure out how to play zones in the NBA and play from that. Game now, do I think they'll, I I, I think that's going to be, because well, if you had five, seven footers, it doesn't really matter now. Yep. Now you're just guarding areas on the court. Mm-hmm. You're just going to guard an area. And if you're guarding an area with a seven footer mode, now you've shrunk the court to almost impossible. You know, no Mo, I say that all the time because, well, I'm I'm banking on the following. I can't guard Steph Curry anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't guard him. But you know what, Mo? If I have five, seven footers, I can guard him. Yeah, because it doesn't matter where he's at now. Now, Mo, I've taken away his ability to drive to the basket. He has no chance. 
Mm. So now he's going to get a contested shot over seven footers, which is going to, at some point, Mo, change the trajectory of the I'm, say the I'm not saying they're going to block it. I'm going to say the law of averages. Like, unless you're shooting over 50%, I'm going to say the law of averages. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I'm going, and then Mo, I'm going to, I'm only going to concentrate on one thing on the offensive end offensive rebounding. <laughs> yeah. Cause... Mo, just throw the ball up there. I'm just, give the ball to Mo. He'll probably miss it more times wow. than he it, but just shoot it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But Mo's going to get 40 shots. <laughs> They're going to like, I'm, we're just going to let Mo shoot. I'm on my 12. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mo goes 12 for 40. We're good with that. We're like, okay, that's great. They're like, well, we let uh, this guy I, get 40 I shots. I wish I had a coach who was okay with me going 12 for 40. <laughs> hey, Mo, that's that's part of our that's part of our offensive scheme. Okay. Offensive rebound. Uh, you know what I mean? We need Mo to just make 12 or 40. That's all we're asking. So, uh, I got you. I got you. I think that's how it's, that's I think that's how it's gonna. I think that's probably yeah. how it will be the next phase of the NBA. All right. We've got one final question here. Mr. Cheely says, in today's episode, I think it was a few days ago, you talked about your top three MVP picks, and they were all on the East Coast. Well, this was a this was a way back question because that's when you were talking about Tatum. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, Jokic is in that mix, uh, but he says, "Does yes. the high competitiveness of the West go against the individual honors, or is it just a coincidence?" Because Jokic and Luca have dropped off. Um, I think it's more of a. I, I think Jokic is very much in that conversation, but I think yeah, y- Jokic, yeah, yeah, being in the Eastern Conference, which is a tough conference for, <laughs> excuse me, what might be the first time since I don't know when. It's more meaningful to have the number one record or the number two record than it is in a Western conference. Right, right. Well, I, I think Jokic is without question is in the conversation. You know, the big fella, give or take, whether it's MB, Jokic, Giannis, I, I think it's right there. I think right now, you know, look, Giannis is always there, and I don't want to like just say, you know, just take them for granted, okay? However, I think if you ask me today, I think it's, it's going to come down between Jokic and Embiid. Yeah, but... I, I think that's what... Today. But I think I think Giannis is right there. I, I, I don't think Tatum... Tatum has kind of, you it know... The he, yeah, have dropped, dropped a little the bit. team a little bit. Yeah. And that, that harms but things. He, but I think right now it's between Jokic and Embiid, if you're asking me today. Yeah, I I think though outside of Jokic, there's not really many candidates from the West. I think Shea could get on some ballots because of what he's yes. done for the Thunder. But because the West, like two through four, is a bit of a mess, and then five through twelve is a bit of a mess, it's hard to stand out. Whereas in the East, Jokic, not Jokic, Embiid and Giannis, the one and two seeds, and maybe even Tatum could be in a mix with the Celtics. There, it just it makes the wins kind of more meaningful, which is a big factor in some people's ballots of the MVP is the best player on the best team. So it's it's harder to become the best team when you're on the West. But those were some great questions, PJ. Those were some absolutely amazing questions. Shout out to our community here in the Discord server. Um, incredible, incredible. You know what? Thank you guys so much. You know, you never, I, I'm always amazed is, you know, you're always, you know, you, you, you're talking, you never know who's listening, first of all. But those are incredible questions. Keep them coming. And I mean, those are like real, I mean, those are amazing questions. I mean, you guys are like amazing, amazing the way you're watching the game. So thank you guys. And then we'll just keep, keep going. But I'm going to tell you what, Mo, you know, what's fun, Mo, is 
what is the game really going to look like? Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about the evolution of the game because if it's one thing that that I've learned is that you never stop learning and the game never stops evolving mm -hmm. and it just keeps it just keeps moving forward and it takes on different you know looks and different forms and this has been an interesting generation because mo the the hybrid player mo the hybrid player the guy who kind of you know the Steph Curry's those guys really they started playing and you were like well how are you going to win with a hybrid player you know, mm -hmm. you can't win with the guy, you know, shooting threes, right? You know, you got to have some level of, you know, blended balance of basketball. But you can, Mo, and that's what Steph Curry showed us. And just like the previous generation, Jordan showed us that you actually can build around a score. Yeah. Right? You know, and it was always the big thing. Wilt Chamberlain versus Bill Russell. Well, you, Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50. I mean, Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 in like 25. And still couldn't beat Bill Russell. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So it was always the debate. And then there was like, you can't, oh, you can't build around a guy. You can't win with a guy, Michael Jordan. You know, you can't build around a guard. Well, he showed us you could. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, I'll say this. The last thing I'll say is um, I went to see this new movie, Air. Shout out to the, um, for the invitation. They gave me an early access to see it. And that was one thing in the movie of why Nike were hesitant to sign him at first was they didn't think that he would be successful because he's just a guard who scores a lot. And, you oh, know. Well, you know, Mo, here's the thing. Here's the thing I, I, I love about you. I love about you and I love about our listeners. We're all life learners, right? That's facts. We just keep, we, we're, you're, you can't just say this is, no, the game continues to evolve. Life continues to evolve. And if you're not learning, Mo, you're not living. So Thanks. I can't I just can't just say what it looked like in my era and, and then say that's that's how it is. And no, you keep learning. You keep moving forward. You keep pushing. So, hey, I'm going to keep learning. I know you're going to keep learning. I'm learning By the, the questions best. we're getting and, 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 and the questions we're getting. Clearly, they're learning. So we'll just keep moving forward here. And Mo, maybe one day you and I, well, not maybe, one day you and I are going to be talking about literally 10 seven-footers on the floor. Because <laughs> that's where it's going to, Mo, that's where it's going to happen. Mo, there's yep. going to be a seven-foot-five guy next year dribbling the ball up the court, playing the point guard position. Yeah, His name is going to be Victor Wimbenyama. <laughs> and we could sit here and, and, and right now. But Chet's Mo, loading as well. Chet's coming back. Chet's coming. Chet's coming back. Victor's coming. And there's going to be more players coming. And these those guys are going to get better on the defensive end. These mm -hmm. guys are going to all get better passers. They're going to be better playmakers. Then Mo, some of them are going, they're going to be more Kevin Durant's coming to the league. And, and then Mo, there'll be another Tim Duncan that'll come in and suddenly dominate the game like Elijah Wan and these guys. And then Mo, we'll have a game where literally there'll be seven footers, Mo, that will be seven, they will be there will be a seven foot Magic Johnson. Hmm. There'll be a seven two Kevin Durant. There'll be a seven foot Michael Jordan. Crazy. There'll be. It'll be. It's going to be nuts. I mean, Mo, it's going to be nuts, and you're going to see a game. <laughs> Bo, I want to say this: when I watched Victor play here in Vegas, the guy was doing things, Mo, and blocking shots that I I don't know what the officials were talking about. They didn't know if they, they didn't know if it was a block. They All didn't time. know if it was goaltending. 
Mo, he was doing things from angles that you just didn't know. I'm looking for the next guy, Mo, that's going to change the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. Because, Mo, they're going to have to make the game bigger when you put 10 of these guys. You're going to have to put that hoof up floor. at 12 first, son. Well, Mo, I think you got to spread the floor out. <laughs> Mo, they're going to have to do something, Mo, to accommodate the athletes that's coming in this league. That's yeah. a, that's a, a, that's a, that's the last thing I'm going to say. Yeah, man. Well, we appreciate everyone who's sending their questions. If you want your question answered, the link is in the description of this podcast to join the Discord server. There's a little channel called Let Us Hear From You. And if you put your question in there, it will be answered on the show. Shout out to everyone who sent their questions in. Shout out to everyone who stays locked in. I've had so many nice tweets over the last few days of people showing their support and their love for the show. It really means the world that you guys enjoy this. That's why we do this every day. And we're going to keep it going, B. We're going to keep it going. The playoffs are almost here. Keep it going. And the croissants, Prince Toast Bowl oh, is out of this world. Starting I away. showed it to my wife. I said it to my wife. We just picked up a new listener. She goes, I want to start listening. What are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to be on my best behavior now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Mrs. Armstrong. Um, listen, first of all, I can't be thinking about French toast because I'm about to start fasting again. But oh, tomorrow, oh sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I might break my fast with a little French toast, but you never know. You never know. All anyway, right, we're going right. to be back tomorrow with more uh, from the Hoop Genius podcast. So don't go anywhere. And uh, guys, I know you guys have been waiting for the Iverson interview. Let me tell you one thing. The files were so big. BJ, guess how long my computer told me it would take to download these files? Oh, guys, three days. 11 days. So <laughs> it's on the way. The reason being is, first of all, it's like a 45-minute interview, but it was also filmed in the highest spec cameras possible available in the world. I brought in the big dogs for this because it was a special one. So um, just stay locked in. If you want to stay locked in, subscribe to the show, hit the notification bell, never miss an episode, leave a review and all that good stuff. And also, I will be giving away a signed Alan Iverson jersey in the episode. Beautiful. So you don't want to miss that. In the meantime, you guys know the vibes. There's only one thing you can do, and that's get buckets.